Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. For older adults and their families, many unexpected and sometimes emergency situations can occur that require accessing financial and personal documents without delay. During COVID-19, this may especially be true. That's why proactively locating, organizing, and assembling these important materials can make all the difference in the world, especially unanticipated health crisis situations. My guests today are Marilee Fitzgerald and Robin Wegman, co-founders of A State of Mind Organizers. They will talk about why older adults and their families need to organize financial documents and personal information during the COVID-19 pandemic and what issues must be addressed. Marilee and Robin will also describe effective organizational tools that can be used to accomplish this goal. So welcome, Marilee and Robin, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Cheryl. We're delighted to be here. Well, we got a lot of information and materials to cover, so let's get started right away. And and Robin, let's start with you. We're talking about a really important time here, COVID-19. Tell us why it's particularly important for older adults to get organized in their personal and financial life. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, with COVID, all of us are concerned for our families, and uh, it has really, you know, created a lens in which we, most of us, view so many aspects of our life. Um, from and it's given us that extra nudge that maybe some of us needed to get our personal financial life organized and everything in order. Um, for Marilee and I, um, we were actually getting close to retirement. And um, one of our very good friends um, did not have COVID, um, but had a terminal illness. And um, we knew that, uh, her, that they were as a family of getting all their personal and financial affairs in order. And um, Marilee and I had not taken a huge interest in doing this. You know, we were certainly involved, but had not really taken tremendous ownership. We had let it fall on our husbands. And after um, our friend, um, husband was deceased, we said to her, um, so did you feel like you were organized and everything was in order and it, you had one less thing to worry about? And her response to us was yes and no. And I have to say that uh, we were quite uh, frightened and surprised at the same time because we thought with resources and time, you could really get your personal affairs in order. And it began a personal journey for us. Um, not only were we getting close to the retirement age, but we also had children in their late 20s and 30s. And we knew that as older individuals, that we would have greater health vulnerabilities. And we really wanted to make sure that we became knowledgeable with the right kind of knowledge. Because let's face it, you know, we all have an expiration date. We just don't know when that actually will occur. And with COVID, it certainly has drilled home to all of us that we are far more vulnerable than perhaps we had thought you know, previously. So um, it's important for all of us to be organized so that we, you know, we don't have extraordinary stress on ourselves, that, um, that we are able to get ourselves in a position so that we can focus on living now and not necessarily focusing on death. So being prepared at any age, but especially at our ages, um, was certainly something that 
we looked into and that we wanted to make sure that we had covered. Okay, so you have a situation where maybe a family member is comatose, unable to speak or um, respond, uh, or or perhaps even has passed away. So, merely, what would be the major questions about? the personal and financial documents, would a family member or the designated power of attorney need to know about this person? Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, I'm going to break this probably into two sections so we can understand the health-related issues and documents and questions that we might ask and then talk about some of the other household kinds of decisions and information that we need when someone becomes ill, comatose, or as you suggest, pass away. So let's take a look at the the healthcare provisions. It's hard to think about the end of life, especially um, when you're an older adult, and it's actually, it's hard at any stage, but it's critical, as Robin said, to prepare ahead of time. The questions that you would want to ask are, where is the health directive? And actually, it's a series of documents, and we're gonna be discussing those shortly. Where is the durable power of attorney? And this is especially important if someone is unable to speak for him or herself. A regular power of attorney does not provide for someone to speak on someone's behalf if they are unable to speak for themselves. um, And and you need a durable power of attorney for your health care and you need one for your finances. Both documents then give you the ability to take care of someone's business and health-related matters. The living will is actually part of the advanced directive and states and attorneys all kind of push lump these things somewhat differently. But the important thing to remember here is that the advanced directive, whether it's called a living will or whether it's called an advanced directive, identifies what someone's wishes are. And certainly at the time that someone is unable to speak for him or herself, that's an important document to have. The living will will also specify things like do not resuscitate, do not intubate. It will provide information about organ and tissue donation. And then importantly, it will talk about some other things that someone may want to have in case of a first responder's visit to a home or to a nursing home. And that would be a pulse, which is a physician's order for life-sustaining treatment. Those are probably the most important legal documents that you would want to have handy and that you might be asking for. The next group kind of moves into sort of the family matters. So if you have been appointed uh, by a durable power of attorney as someone's healthcare proxy, someone who can speak for someone else, that's another term that we use, you wanna know about the person's medical history, the physicians and medications, and not just have those things stacked on a counter, but actually have them written down so that you understand what the medicines are and what the dosage are, so that you are able to deliver that information, again, in the event that someone is unable to speak for him or herself. Healthcare providers, if there were other folks involved in the care of the individual. The household items specifically that Robin and I recommend are that you know someone's bank accounts, especially the one that pays the bills. And then obviously your insurances, such as uh, long-term care, Uh, the health insurance, disability insurance. Uh, If you are someone who is the managing the household in the event that someone is not able to take over, you're a loved one, a family member, um, you would certainly want to know the status of the bills, loans, mortgages that have to be paid, vehicles, so that there are no um, 
gaps in payments that continue life important uh, matters. The registration title to the cars, and then the all important passwords. And these passwords are really the key. I think many of us believe that our lives are not so digitally focused, but they and truly they really are. I know I pay all of my bills through my bank, so passwords are important. They may be important for our listeners and for their loved ones, and so it's really important that they know what those passwords are, even simply the password to the phone, which often holds things like emergency contacts and so on. And then I have a pet, and so I always include in the important information how to take care of the pet, the vet information, who might be the caretaker, medicines, food, et cetera. Um, and so th those are the, I think, the important elements in the event that someone is unable to speak for him or herself. Very quickly, there are only a few extra items in the event that someone passes away, and certainly the will then takes precedence over everything. Those durable powers of journey end at the time someone passes away and the will takes over. And then it's important that the, exec the executor then has the ability to take on all the information and actions that are necessary. Among the documents that one should have available, if there are uh, insurance policies that cover burial insurance, the, the burial plots, wishes about how someone might want to be cared for at the life celebration event, uh, any professional contacts that someone uh, used in his or her lifetime, such as a financial advisor, an accountant, a state attorney, business partners, again, passwords to investments, bank accounts, and obviously the death certificate in multiple copies. We often think we just need one copy, but frankly, as you execute the different um, offices and benefits, everyone seems to want at least, at least one copy, if not two. And then Robin and I always include a death notification list that, you know, just in the event that something happens, who do you contact? Do we know all of our parents, friends, and, and loved ones that they would like us uh, to contact in the event that they were not there? So I would say they, those two categories of healthcare uh, and finances and then your household. A lot of questions, my goodness. And uh, <laughs> That's why you need, to, you need an organizer, Cheryl. You need right. something that helps you, you know, understand what these things are and, you know, and, and the fact that you need them. Well, and, and so I guess hopefully, you know, obviously it's possible that we could be in this kind of a situation where someone is comatose or unresponsive or has passed away. But let's let's pull it back a little bit and just talk about again during COVID. What are the questions that we as older adults should be asking ourselves about our personal and financial documents? Are there is that many questions there too, or <laughs> what would you say? Well, I think the one thing that you need to ask yourself is if you weren't here tomorrow, who knows where all of your personal and financial documents, decisions, and information, where's it located? Who knows? And do they have access to it? Do they know what you have? Do they know really where it is? Uh, do you know what's missing? And can someone act on your behalf if you cannot? And what's really important is to make sure that you've had important conversations with that person or persons so that they really understand your personal estate and what your wishes are. And is this information really well documented 
Have you been explicit? And is it something that's very easily able to be accessed? You know, it was interesting. A couple years ago, Marilee and I were meeting with some people about this particular issue. And uh, they were um, both, you know, both the husband and wife were sitting down with us. And the husband said to the wife, don't worry. Everything is on spreadsheets. Everything's laid out. Everything's perfectly, you know, you know, on these spreadsheets. And the wife said to the husband, honey, I don't understand your spreadsheets. And he looked at her and said, really? You don't? And she said, no, honey, I don't. And then he said, don't worry. I'm going to run upstairs and get the laptop. And I'm going to show you all of this so that I make sure you understand it. And she looked at him and said, honey, I don't have the password to your laptop. And, you know, he looked at her with this kind of shock and glaze on his face saying, you know, really, you don't? And it's not so often that people are, are hiding things from their loved ones. But, you know, we get so busy in our lives that we forget that we really need to be transparent and that we need to communicate and be explicit and have these important conversations so people really know what our wishes are and that they understand it. So, Robin, if I were to come to you right now and say, so what steps should I take regarding my personal and financial documents um, in case I died unexpectedly, what would you tell me? Well, I think one of the things, and Marilee discussed this earlier, is that you make sure that you have reviewed and updated your will. And I know for myself, we did a will when our kids were first born, and we really didn't revisit it for a long time, and life had changed. So going back to make sure, again, that your wishes are specifically described in that will is really important. Also, making sure that you name a responsible executor. We've heard so many stories over the years, Marilee and I, that they had made Uncle whatever, Fred, the executor, and he was kind of a goofy guy, and they thought, oh, that was kind of cute. And then they realized, well, wait a minute. Uncle, Uncle, you know, Uncle Fred really is not the best person, the best choice to be executor. So again, really think about where your life is today and make sure that that executor is the person that you really want and need to carry out your wishes. Make sure that you have beneficiary statements for all of your accounts, whether they're brokerage accounts or retirement accounts, because whatever's on that beneficiary statement supersedes anything that's in the will. And for my husband, he, is, he had a job before we were married and is still with that same company. And uh, I wasn't on, I was not the beneficiary. And so we, when we went back and checked all our beneficiaries, we had to update many of them. And it was something that we really had thought about. So again, you want to make sure you have hard copies because those supersede whatever is actually in your will. Update your passwords. Marilee and I always suggest, you know, have a date with the loved ones that need to know this information. You know, every couple months say, let's sit down on a Friday night, we'll have popcorn and whatever, and let's review and make sure that there aren't any changes that have taken place. And passwords are something that do get updated, that you want to identify um, and inform your loved ones where all these documents and decisions are located. They should know how to put their hands on it immediately. 
Again, your durable powers of attorney for health and finances, and make sure that you have all your financial and investment information. Um, you know, that, that's the really core of what's really essential to be doing now. Well, one thing I wanted to do is, is to kind of move into how to get our personal and financial documents in order. I mean, you've talked already about the conversations that you would have um, with your advisors and your loved ones. Um, I wanted to get into the different categories under which personal and financial documents would be grouped. But I did want to get back one question. I think, Robin, you would be asking this, uh, answering this, is about empowering loved ones. Is, is that a special phrase uh, or a term that's used when it comes to dealing with people's personal and financial documents? What does that well, mean? Yeah, I mean, Marilyn and I do talk about this. And, you know, you empower people by giving them knowledge and giving them the right kind of knowledge. You don't want people to have to go on a scavenger hunt to find information or to kind of second guess what your wishes are. But having explicit conversations with those that need to know empowers them to make the kinds of decisions and choices that they that you would want them to make for you. And it gives them a, a peace of mind in knowing that they're doing the right thing by you as an individual. So empowerment by making sure they have the right knowledge and information. And again, that you've really had sat down and had those explicit conversations. And I don't necessarily mean that you need to tell your children exactly how much money you have or how much money they're going to get, but that they know where to find it, who to speak to, so that your wishes are honored in the event that something does happen and occur in your life. Okay. So Marilee, help us on this. You know, people are invigorated by your message here and want to start getting organized. And one thing I noticed on your website is that you've uh, provided the different categories under which the personal and the financial documents would be grouped. And so tell us a little bit about this, and then I'll be asking each of you to give us a little bit more information. But, but Marilee, give us the overview of those different categories, which will help people find their their documents much more quickly and their families too. Well, that, thank you, Cheryl. We, we group our, we organized our life into six areas and we selected these areas because it was the way that we sort of lived our life. And so we picked personal life, financial life, healthful life, social life, home life, and end of life. And in each of those six categories, we identify the absolute must-have documents, decisions, and information that someone needs at a minimum. We recognize that everybody's life is different, and so that you'll have different documents that I might have, but there really are a core set of documents, decisions, and information that one needs to have across those areas. And so as you get started, it's really hard to if you have a lateral file cabinet to look inside it and say, gee, let me pull everything out and see what I have at least. And then really, frankly, that's how we started. And it, it gets kind of messy and difficult to kind of go through the documents. So we organized it into these six broad categories. And then we looked at what we thought made sense to put in those categories. So for example, a birth certificate would be in personal life. Uh, in your financial life, it might be your financial advisor information. Healthful life, it would be your insurances. Social, it might be your membership. Uh, home life, it might be your um, 
your home service appliances and warranties and end of life, it would be your living will and, um, and your will. So, and we're gonna talk a little bit later on in more detail about what's in each of these categories or at least what we put in each of these categories, but we think that's a good place to start. It allows you to take an inventory and it allows you to look at those categories and identify at least what you have. And then hopefully you'll have an organizational system or some other source that tells you what you need, and then you can fill the gaps. And by the way, um, I wanted to insert here, and then I want to ask Robin about the items that are, are included, and then Marilee, you too. But is this information, this is all on your website, is, am I correct? Yes, that's correct. It's all on the, on the, uh, on the website. The website is www.eomo.org. That's www.eomo.org. Okay, that's good, because I want people, because they'll say, oh, I'm trying to write all this down, and <laughs> it's it's hard. So, um, and we'll insert that again a little bit later. So, Robin, tell us, Marilee gave a few uh, examples of in each of the categories, but let's go through them. Let's start with healthful life. What would be the items that would be included? Let, let, me, let me backtrack for one second, Cheryl, is that, as you just noted, it's a lot of information. Indeed. And the reason that Marilee and I ended up creating an organization system was that you need a framework to hang all this information on. Um, we're both educators. And I mean, you can, you can, you know, teach and provide a lot of information, but how do you know that they know it? And where do you put all this information? So if people do go to our website, you'll see that there's an actual system that will put all this information in place so that you're able to put your hands on it and know what is it, what is it that you need, where is it, and, and what's missing. So when it comes to health, and we know that we're always looking for this health information, people want to know our insurance information, our drug prescription plans, um, dental insurance. So you want to make sure that you include with your um, healthful life, what, what kind of insurance do you have? Do you have dental insurance, health insurance, prescription, vision, and other forms of insurance? Um, what kind of medications do you take? Um, where do you, what's the source? Where do you get these medications from? Are they ordered online? Do you go to you know, your local pharmacy and get them? Are they delivered? Um, are they over the counter? Are they prescription medications? Um, so that you have the source that you can refer to and also those that would need to know would have that information as well. In terms of your general well-being, who are your healthcare providers? Do you have, what is that contact information? And also, your family health history. And, you know, oftentimes you go to the doctor and they're looking for this information. And it's, it's really a great resource to already have this stuff in place so that you can refer to it as you need. And you want to make sure you have all the policy group numbers, your account numbers, your passwords, your contacts, and locations of all this information in hand, because especially you, we talked about COVID, and you know, hopefully you will not need this information you know, immediately, but if you need to get your hands on it for yourself or a loved ones, you wanna be able to have quick access to it. And also know what's missing. Maybe you need an additional form of insurance that you don't have or that's expired or you've changed jobs or something's occurred in your life that you wanna really go back and revisit some of these issues and, and, and make some changes as well. 
And if I could add a little bit, Robin, to what sure. you said, and with a little personal story here about medications and over-the-counter drugs, I became the uh, I became the unlikely caregiver to my brother, who was at the time we did not know he was terminally ill, but he was very sick. And I was at his mountain home, and he passed out. And as I quickly went by the kitchen and saw him. Uh, on the floor of the kitchen, I called the emergency responders, of course, immediately. And among the first things they asked me was, what medications is he on? And I thought, oh, this is easy. He had a counter that, and maybe at least a foot long of medicine bottles. And I went to scoop them up. And the first responder said to me, no, 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 no. We don't want his actual medications. We want a listing of those medications, which <laughs> they needed to take with them to the hospital. And so it's important that you not only have them nicely organized on your counter or in your medicine cabinets, but that you actually have a record of them. And so that you know the doses and the names of the medicine, and then of course the physicians and so on that are, that are labeled on the, on, the, um, on the medicine. So just a quick, uh, just a very quick story to highlight the importance of being organized in a very different way. <laughs> Well, it's it's very uh, it's very obvious that we have very complex lives, and they they fall into different categories. So we're going to hear about the other five categories, but we need to take a break right now for an important message. First of all, um, listeners should know that we're talking with Marilee Fitzgerald and Robin Wegman, co-founders of Estate of Mine Organizers, and you're listening to WERALP Arlington. FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking with Marilee Fitzgerald and Robin Wagman, co-founders of Estate of Mind Organizers. And before the break, we talked about the different categories that um, could really be helpful for people to get organized insofar as their personal and financial documents. We talked about healthful life. So Marilee, help us on social life. What what does that category mean and what kinds of, of activities or papers or documents would be included? Social life includes uh, identifying any spiritual institutions that you might want to be considered in your estate planning. It includes your club memberships, subscriptions, tickets to cultural events, uh, those Redskin tickets, uh, parking spaces and uh, locker numbers that you might have in your health. uh, Once we get back after COVID into the health clubs and to the gyms, it includes your social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, any of the ones that you might use uh, for both your personal life and your work-related life. And I might say here, Cheryl, to remind our listeners that many of these clubs, organizations, and particularly your social media, have requirements for deleting members and or names, memberships, subscriptions, et cetera. Many of them require a death certificate and that the contact be made by the executor. Sometimes it's the executor of the will. Sometimes folks leave a digital executor, but it is someone who has a legal authority to present the documentation and to act with the deceased member. 
So it's not an easy thing to take your name off of a list or to have a name taken off of a list when someone passes away. But organizations and memberships, again, just to highlight that in the event that something happens to us, it's nice to be able to contact those organizations of which the loved one was a member and to indicate the latest uh, status or to get information for an obituary, let's say, or for the continuation of any financial donations that are made that were made during the lifetime of the individual. I also thought it was interesting, Marilee, that you mentioned about like social media. I think sometimes uh, what might happen is that a spouse or a partner may not be aware that somebody had a Facebook page and um, you'll find that that Facebook page is still there and the person passed away many years ago. And uh, and, and still getting birthday notices. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. good, good part to remember. Right. And merely knows, and, and closely related to that is what you mentioned earlier is personal life. What documents would be included? I thought you might have said the will, but help us on that one. Um, the will we put in sort of the end of life, but oh, under okay. personal life, but you, you can put it wherever you know, you'd like. We, that's just where we put it. Okay. But under personal life, we include things like a, um, any kind of proof of identity and any kind of proof of identity. That would be a birth certificate, could be passport, driver's license, um, your social security number, any immigration documents, marriage, divorce certificates, um, that uh, any employment information, especially who the latest employer is. It's important here to include any employer uh, that you may have had during the course of your history, your career. And I know that's difficult sometimes to go back to our early parts of our working life, but there may be social security or retirement benefits that are in accounts that we no longer remember that we even had. Um, Pet information, we talked a little bit about that earlier. All of your credit cards. And in this case, with your credit cards, we do suggest that you make copies of or write down the contact information on the back in the event that the card is either lost or stolen and so that you don't need the card with you in order to access the information and a, um, a customer service representative. Robin mentioned passports or passwords and this is where we would include all of the personal uh, passwords that you may have related to all of your accounts, which could be your bank accounts, your insurance policies, it could be your digital devices. We talked about the phone earlier. It could be how to turn the TV on. It could be how to adjust the, um, the Wi-Fi in your house, how to turn it on, how to turn it off, and so on, so, and how to get to Netflix and all these other uh, entities which require, again, access to uh, by using a password and a username. So, I mean, that probably makes up most of what people might have in their personal life, there may, as we said earlier, there may be others, other documents that someone may want to include in that. And we're not insisting that the, they be in these rigid categories, but we do think it's a good way to start organizing and taking an inventory of what you have. It's interesting in terms of you said about the remotes. I think that if... Uh... If my husband died first, I probably wouldn't be able to turn the TV on because now we. <laughs> you, you join a very big club. <laughs> you are not the only one. It's absolutely incredible. So uh, anyway, so Robin, talk about financial life. That is seems to be an especially important part. Absolutely. But I just had to throw this out that 
I had to throw this out and Marilyn knows this. I got my new federal ID, my new driver's license, and I immediately lost it. And they, to, to go online and get a new one, which was easy. However, you needed to know your driver's license number. And so because I had it in my, my EOMO organizer, I was able to go right to it and get the number. Otherwise, I really don't know what I would have done to uh, get my new federal ID. I had to throw that out. It was, it was pretty aggravating. All right. So your financial life. You should have all your financial contacts. Who needs to be contacted, whether it's the accountant, your advisors, et cetera, all the people that relate to your finances. You should have a list of your assets, your bank accounts, business ownerships, properties, titles, vehicles. If you have a safe deposit box, the codes, where it's located, how it's paid for and funded, uh, your insurance policies, home, life, any kind of specialty uh, policies, your vehicles, have your titles and all that information available because, you know, let's face it, we all need to get our hands on it periodically. Um, in terms of your legacy, any kind of philanthropic endeavors, um, different kinds of trusts, our liabilities, uh, mortgages, personal loans, lines of credit, alimony, palimony, child support. Um, all of these are considered your financial life, and you need to make sure that you have a very specific listing of this information so you're able to put your hands on it if you need that. So that's, that, that's pretty much financial life, which is a huge chunk. And then, Robin, there, I understand there's also a, a category called home life. And, yep. and I heard you say the the term home life in the financial sure. life context. You know, it's interesting when Marilyn sure and I put this whole thing together. It kind of it came from our own personal life experiences. And when my older daughter decided to uh, buy a, a a condominium with her husband, then th then we developed the home life section. A lot of the uh, the health came out of what you know what Marilee shared about her brother. Um, and so when it came to your home, what was the information that she really needed to have quick access to? Um, home services, all that content information. Who do you call when you need a plumber, when your HVAC system is out, when you need an electrician? Who are the people that you've trusted? Who are the people that you go to in terms of your home? If you have a home safe box, where is it located? Um, what, what are the contents and how does one get into it? And who knows? Um, your home appliances, do you have warranties? Do you have guarantees on any of these home appliances? And then of course, the list of all of your possessions. Um, a lot of people take photographs of these possessions. They you know, list who, I mean, like in our family, some people have scribbled things on the bottom of different, you know, different items, whether they have any you know, real monetary value or not, things that people want. So a listing of your possessions. We also have a paint schedule. If you were to get a room painted, what kind of paint? What's the quality of paint? What's the number and, and type of paint that you're using? So when you go back or someone else goes back to paint that room, it does save you a lot of time and effort and money. And then also your security codes and keys. How does one get into your house? And also your go-to person. If you're not home, who do you call if something needs to be taken care of or considered when it comes to your home? So, you know, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a home, whether you have multiple homes, whatever it is, there's a lot of information that one needs to access when it comes to your home. So that's pretty much it for homes. One thing that also uh, comes to mind here is, is that if, uh, say, it was an older couple who are living in a house and they decided to, mm -hmm. and the uh, 
adult children decided to sell the home. Uh, it would be also helpful to know where all of the records are of the various Absolutely. repairs that have occurred, whether you got new windows or you got a new roof or whatever. W- would you agree? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I don't think a week goes by. They don't get an email from someone or there's someone on our listserv that says, can you recommend a plumber or do you have a good electrician or, you know, I need to get this repaired or a window needs to get taken care of. And it's easy to be able to be able to access that for yourself. But Yes, having those records is essential. And oftentimes people are, you know, my, my husband said, we need a new hot water heater. I said, why? So we need one every 10 years. I said, well, we just got one a couple of years ago. And he said, no, we didn't. Because, you know, you forget time just goes. And right in the book was the documentation of the new hot water heater. So uh, keeping records, as you just mentioned, are really critical. And there's another aspect of it, too. When, when you look at our discussion today, we're looking at it through the lens of maybe three different lenses. One, keeping yourself informed so that you can make good decisions throughout your life. Secondly, getting prepared in the event something happens to you and a loved one has to take over and speak for you. But there's a third lens here, and that's one of a caregiver, which you mentioned um, briefly early in the discussion. In the case of my brother, we did have many, many people coming in, helping us throughout the course of his illness. And in one particular evening, the heat went out in his mountain home. And, and while that's a very beautiful setting during the day, in the middle of the night when it's, you know, there's 12 inches of snow on the ground, it's a very frightening experience when there's not a house nearby within miles of you. And we had no idea who to call. And so, uh, in fact, this section was created that week that I was up there. <laughs> and so it's important to think about many different perspectives when you're getting yourself organized. And certainly the lens of someone. Uh, who is in your home providing care for you, who may not be familiar with uh, who to call and to access information. Uh, And you had mentioned keeping documents about your uh, upgrades to your home. That's important even to keep with your taxes. And Mm -hmm. uh, as we recommend that you keep your taxes, Robin and I put that in the financial section and that might not be intuitive for some, and maybe the home life is a section where you want to put all of your renovations and so on, but they do become important at the time you sell your home, and then you want to take some tax write-offs. Absolutely. A lot to think about here, so excellent point. <laughs> so we got one more category. Marilee, help us on end of life. What are the documents? We've talked a little bit about some of them already, but put them in the context now of end of life. Uh, Absolutely. We have the living will, your death notification contacts, your funeral or life celebration plans, any long-term care and health decisions that you might make, insurance policies, et cetera, your organ donation, uh, your uh, preferences, service participants, who the healthcare proxy is in the event you are unable to speak for yourself. In this category, we would have the will, of course, and the executor contact information. We would also include in this section, any particular things that you might want to leave in terms of a legacy to your loved ones. It could be a note, it could be a letter. These are becoming very common today. Some folks are writing ethical wills where they pass on information about the way that they hope they live their life or information about how they live their life and hope that it becomes a beacon for the way they live their lives. So there's a lot today that we think about in end of life that that kind of exceed all of the funeral arrangement plans 
and some of the end-of-life healthcare decisions that need to be made. Among the most important we talked about earlier is having all of your advanced directives in order. And certainly in this section, we would be thinking about those things. And just since you brought up the idea of advanced directors, it's directives, it sounds like just because some people may not know this, that there are two different kinds of health directives, one more for health care and one for like finances and estate care. Is, is, is that true? Yep. You might want to just touch on that a little bit. Absolutely. The advanced directives for healthcare include your living will, your durable power of attorney for healthcare. This is the power of attorney that speaks when you are not able to speak for yourself. Your do not resuscitate order, your do not intubate order, your organ and tissue donation. And if you have the PULST, which is the physician order for life-sustaining treatment that you might want to have handy to give to first responders, those make up what we call the advanced directives for healthcare. The living will, of course, says what you want, and the durable power of attorney gives someone the ability to act when you are unable to speak for yourself. The financial is a bit different. You need somebody to take over on the um, on the financial side and to take care of your estate. So the documents that we consider important under advanced directives for your finances would include your will, your durable power of attorney for your finance, uh, finances, again, giving someone the ability to act, and any living trust that you might have where your trustee has the instructions for the distribution of your assets and your beneficiaries. It also sounds like for each of these two very distinct areas, it'd be good to have different kinds of people chosen uh, to help uh, provide the information about about these. Health care is certainly very different than finances and, and estate care. So um, it's important Could that be. people really understand what you're wanting in each of these directives. And it goes back to a point that Robin made earlier. Be careful who you pick. And I think you emphasize it here with your comments, uh, Cheryl. Maybe one person isn't the person who does everything. And maybe it's divided by someone's expertise, interest, and knowledge of you. And that's okay. These documents, by the way, can have the same person, but they also can be very different people. Mm -hmm. So we've got all of our documents in the proper categories and we talked a little bit before about steps to take, but now that we have this, are there any certain steps that older adults and their families need to take to be prepared for unexpected events? And and if so, why? I mean, is there anything in particular that, you know, that you can be prepared for now? Yes. Um, I think when you think about getting prepared now, you almost have to put the same lens on it as you would to answer the question, if I were not here tomorrow, who would know? Because when you live your life in a peaceful way and an informed way, you have everything that you need. And it's important then to just continue to update it. Robin and I each have our own systems for that. Uh, my husband and I have a conversation once a month and then a pretty significant one um, twice a year that goes over all of our documents. He changes his password so much that we have to talk every month. Otherwise, I probably would not be able to get into anything that he has. And certainly, you know, he's good about changing all of those things. 
So it's important to, um, as you organize and your life and you think about getting your affairs in order, it's almost the exact same efforts. Every document that you have, we recommend that you read it and you decide what to do with it. Robin mentioned an, uh, an insurance policy. Read the insurance policy. If there's an expiration date, know about that. It's important that you know about that when you're 30, and it's important that you know about that when you're 80. Um, we ask that you also know how to know where to save it, know where to, you know, and toss and shred the things that you do you no longer need. Many of us go through this when we're downsizing, but it's important that you not keep stuff that you don't need anymore. Robin, you were gonna say something? Oh, uh, no, no, I'm good. Okay. Um, I, I think that probably the next step I would recommend that someone takes is that you, after you put your hands on your documents, that you really seriously take a look at what you wanna keep forever when something is no longer needed, things that have an expiration date on them, uh, taxes, for example, you want to keep for seven years. And that's not just the tax forms themselves. It's all the documentation that was used to prepare or support the decisions and actions that were taken in that tax year. Things that you want to keep forever are your birth certificate, your social security card, your marriage and divorce decrees, your citizenship papers, adoption papers, death certificates, things that are no longer needed. It might be the home improvement records. You might not want to keep those landscaping plans that you, from the house you sold two years ago. Your vehicle titles that you, on cars that you may have already sold. Um, any outdated living wills or powers of attorney. They're dangerous to have on hand, so you might get rid of anything <laughs> that is not current. Um, and you may want to keep things until they expire. Robin mentioned her driver's license. There's passports, travel accounts, your global entry, your car insurance, all those things you want to keep only until they expire. Once they expire, then you can get rid of them. And then of course, toss any of your canceled checks that you don't need to support something, your, your you know, ATM receipts. I don't know, I go through my purse rather frequently. I curl up a lot of pieces of paper. Most of those can be tossed without even looking at them, frankly. So you wanna just make sure that you don't clutter your life with information that is no longer needed. Okay, well, so both of you have talked off and on now throughout the program about organizational tools. And so, Robin, help us on this in terms of, of types of organizational tools that work best for older adults to, you know, to manage and maintain their personal and financial documents. And I think in terms of your response, it's important to bring out the fact that not all older adults are real technically savvy. And so I would imagine there are different types of organizational tools that might work better for one kind of older, one older adult than over another. So help us on that. Help us understand what's out there, what's available. Absolutely. And Marilee and I did a, a, a very long search. It was a, it was a long journey to get to where we are today. And uh, I have to say that Marilee is much more digitally attuned that, than I am. I'm more of the paper pencil person and Marilee is certainly more the digitally based person. So when we went looking um, for a tool for ourselves to organize all this information, uh, we needed something that really met both of our needs and our, and our family's needs as well. So the lens in which we looked at the system was we wanted some kind of a system that would identify your must-haves. 
Um, we wanted to actually have something that, that would teach us and guide us and we would learn something from it as opposed to an empty form that, you know, that we would just have to fill out. We wanted that guidance. And um, that's sort of how we got to chunking our, our system into six different areas or life themes as we call them, because everything kind of naturally fell into the, the, these four areas in terms of what we needed. Um, we wanted something that was not time limited. Um, we didn't want a subscription service, something that once you stopped paying, you lost all that information, but something that didn't have a time limit on it. Because again, we wanted something for a living now, not for death, but for how we lived our day-to-day -day life. And then um, again, I wanted a hard copy. I wanted something where I could write everything down. Um, my life isn't changing all that much at this point in time, but I wanted to have space to write down the things that I thought were essential and uh, but not write a trilogy but uh but to be able to write down those things that were important so the hard copy was something that we looked at in terms of coming up with a system or looking for a system um we we wanted something that had some pdf fillable forms because again merrily is more digitally attuned so something that maybe had a usb drive for you know for her because she was more digitally oriented but something that was secure as well something that you could update easily so that um, as life changed, you could change and it would move along with you, it would grow with you, it was a living document. And something that your loved ones could easily understand because remember, just because you understand it, doesn't mean someone else was gonna understand it. So it had to be something that had a simplicity to it so that anybody else could pick it up and understand what your intentions were. And then the other thing that was very critical was um, some kind of a system that you could save the information and you could store it based on your own comfort level. And everybody's comfort level is different in terms of how they like to secure and save things. Um, some people have password managers, some people you know, put things in a personal cloud, some people use encrypted um, um, you know, uh, USB drives. I mean, everybody has a different comfort level. And again, with Marilee and I, we each had a little bit of a different comfort level. And so we needed a system that would work for both of us. Marilee, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I, I think the important point is that when you select a system, not only do you keep it for yourself, but I think you made the point, and it's a really important one, that the system that you choose is easily shareable with somebody else. You know, and, and we, wanted, we wanted our system to educate us so that we didn't miss something because as you're seeing as we've had this whole conversation, there's a, you know, as simple as we try to make our lives, there's a lot of information that we need to put our hands on and that we want someone else to be able to put their hands on in the event we were not here to do that. And when you choose a system, you look at it, look for one that takes you through your entire life. There are some that are bound in a book and, and they look like a, a pamphlet or a booklet or a soft copy workbook. Um, they have limitations and they serve an immediate need perhaps, but they might not be the kind of format that you need to carry you through the rest of your life. Sometimes the worksheets are commingled with, with chapters of information on what a trust or what a will is. Um, you might think about separating those two things. Once you start the task and the journey of getting organized, you don't want it, it to be interrupted with lots of conversation. So I think you have to think about, um, you know, carrying it through the rest of your life, a format that's durable um, and one that is, of course, shareable. 
You know, and the, the other thing that Marilee just mentioned is that when we were looking initially, things seemed to be oriented toward end of life or your finances. And as we, you know, learn through our own personal journey, uh, life is not just about your finances and end of life. There's so much more. And those other aspects of your life need to also be included in, the, in these documents. Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of the program. And I, there was one question that I wanted to quickly ask Mara Lee because it was on your PowerPoint, which you, you had sent to me, about a representative payee with Social Security. Can you tell us very quickly, Mara Lee, what that is? Because I'm sure uh, since we are all on Social Security, we would want to know what that means. Yes, this is the Social Security Administration is one federal agency that will not accept a durable power of attorney in the event that someone is unable to speak for him or herself. So if you need to get information about a loved one's social security benefit while they are still alive, say, or even if they've passed away, but let's just take the instance of when they're alive, the social security administration must designate you as a representative payee. And that means that they appoint someone to manage Social Security benefits for someone who was unable to do so on his or her own. The durable powers of attorney that we talked about earlier, um, they do not confer authority for someone to manage someone else's Social Security benefits. And so it's important that the designated payee be approved by the Social Security Administration, and they even have a process that if you disagree, if they, if they disagree with who you might appoint, um, there's an appeal process. And they do that to protect the individual who is not able to speak for him or herself. The, uh, there is a information about uh, being a, appointed as a representative payee with Social Security on their website, which is www.sa.gov. Or there's a phone number you can call, which is 1-800-772-1213, and they will send you a guide uh, that outlines some of the specific requirements. Obviously, the person has to be of sound mind, knows your benefits, and so on, is a trusted person for you. An important element of keeping of, of helping someone who is on Social Security who is unable to speak for him or herself is that the Social Security Administration will require that representative payee to use the benefits for the payment of the essential needs that must be met for that individual. They want you to keep records of how the money was spent or how it was saved for, on behalf of the individual. And uh, you cannot co-mingle the beneficiary payments. They have to, be, with your own accounts, they have to be maintained separately so that in the event an audit were done, it would be very clear to show that the money, the social security benefit was spent for the care um, of the individual who was not able to speak for him or herself. Okay, well, we are out of time, but Robin, just tell our listeners where they can learn more about a state of mind organizers. Uh, you can go to our website at www.eomo.org for all of your special listeners. You can call us at 202-603-4833. All right. Well, I want to thank Marilee Fitzgerald and Robin Wegman, co-founders of A State of Mind Organizers, for joining me today. 
And if you want to listen to past radio programs and watch Aging Matters TV episodes, best way to do that is visit facebook.com forward slash Aging Matters WERA. There you'll find the internet addresses to access both the radio shows and the TV episodes. And by the way, Aging Matters Radio is now available as a podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to invite your friends and family to listen to these programs and also ask them to rate and review the programs at these sites. I want to thank Robert Winship for handling the technical aspects of today's program. And of course, as always, thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.